Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, uplifting support for your grief and healing journey. We're here to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence so that you can build a life of purpose and joy. I'm your host, Julie Clough, Certified Grief Coach. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 108, Relationship Multipliers. First, can I share some coaching love with you? My clients this week had so many amazing ahas. They're so good. They're too good not to share. And so I wanted to just share a few of them with you. First, one client originally started because she wanted to get her family off her back who said she needed to work with someone. And this week she made the shift to, I need this for me. And that's kind of a big deal. When we do things to kind of look at it from the standpoint of how is this benefiting me? And it's not a selfish thing. It's, it's getting real with what we need and getting that taken care of so that we're in a place to be there for other people as well. Another client said they were feeling the growth and that they don't feel as alone and they are better off understanding their feelings and the confidence that that creates. Now that is a big deal. Understanding your feelings, figuring out how to work with them, that creates confidence when we have a new skill that we can apply to our life that makes our life better. Another, just a couple more examples, another client is owning her personal worth and power like she has never done before, and that's super cool to watch. Another client told me she's loving the structure of the program and that this work is like a ray of hope. She feels safe. She feels understood to talk to someone who gets it. Because so often, gosh, I remember, I mean, I've had way too many instances like this where I'm going through something and like, where can I find somebody that gets it, like totally understands that can help me. And that's, that's hard to come by sometimes. So this is just a little of the transformation that is going on. It's super exciting. It's, it's, it's so exciting to be a part of. And I wanted to show that bit of hope with you today because this is available to you too. When you do the work of healing, healing's available to you. Now, I wanted to also share that next week, well, actually, by the time you listen to this, it'll be this week, my son is getting married and it's caused me to think a lot about marriage and relationships. And as I've watched this new relationship form over the last year, like it's really given me pause. And then as they've made the decision to commit themselves to each other, you know, I'm thinking again about all the things that I want to share with them about marriage and love and, you know, how we can really be there for each other. And sometimes... (laughs) Sometimes that feels appropriate. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we just have to kind of figure it out on our own, don't we? But I was thinking about all the things I wanted to share and the beauty of a marriage relationship and the beauty of creating a new family on the, on the earth that has never existed before. And when my oldest daughter had her first child, this same son, the one that's getting married, he was so enthralled with this new baby and the wonder of having a brand new life in the world. I remember how I, I was almost like this, this, um, oh, what's the word for it? There was this little bit of, there was this awe and there was this confusion, like this person never existed before. And now they exist. And of course that's been happening multiplied mil- millions of times in the world, but 
for him, that was his first experience where he was old enough to really catch the beauty of that experience. And even as a teenager, so he works as a photographer. And even as a teenager, he was a a photographer and he took some wonderful pictures of his first niece. So as I've reflected on these most intimate relationships that we enjoy, spouse, children, parents, siblings, I realized that relationships are multipliers. In the simplest terms, for example, consider going to see a movie. Have you ever gone to a theater alone? I mean, at home, sure, you know, we watch a movie at home, but I've even gone to the theater by myself to see a movie. I know, I'm strange. That's okay if you think that. I thought it was strange too, and at, you know, when the first time I did it, and I've done it a handful of times. But if you, if we can take a little tangent, tangent here, I recently found out also I have a high sensitivity to corn. So no more popcorn for me. And I'm really, really sad. Boo hoo. Because going to the movies isn't as much fun now because I loved the popcorn. <laughs> and now that we have to wear masks in the theater, popcorn is a kind of a get out of jail free card because you can take the mask off while you're eating. And I don't know about, I don't know if you've, ventured into the theaters since everything kind of shut down. But the the couple of times that I've gone, there's been nobody in the theater. But you know, that is the fun. That was the fun was to, was to eat the popcorn and just get out and so forth. But you know what is really, really fun? Taking care of myself and I feel amazing. And that's super, super fun. So the popcorn... I'm just going to have to watch other people eat popcorn and be glad that they're enjoying it. But I digress. Let's go back. Let's go back to thinking about going to the movies. This is often something we do with someone else, right? We're sitting in a dark theater. So why are, why do we want to go with other people to the theater? And, you know, cause you are, you're just sitting in a dark theater and hopefully you're not talking to, to each other unless you're one of those people. So why do we go with family and friends to the movies? I think it's because it's a shared experience. Shared experiences help us feel closer. What would you rather do? Go to the theater alone, which is totally cool, or go with someone? I've gone alone and that was fun, but going with somebody is like a whole different experience and and think about that and how does that have how does having someone with you enhance the experience that's a really simple example but think of everyday life when we're feeling good our relationships tend to magnify our good feelings when we're feeling bad our relationships sometimes can tend to magnify our bad feelings now think about the hard times And when I'm saying, you know, feeling good or feeling bad, I'm talking about when we're feeling good about ourselves, it's easy to see the good in our relationships and to have that magnify that experience for ourselves. When we're feeling bad about ourselves, our relationships can tend to magnify those bad feelings that we have about ourselves. But during hard times, how did your relationships either make it harder or make it easier? As I reflected on this, on the either easier side, when things are hard, it's nice to not feel alone. It's great to have someone there to share the burden. Other people help lighten the load 
and can lift us up when we don't feel like we can stand, much less walk. On the other hand, relationships can make it harder. When someone makes a comment, you feel judged. You feel like you're carrying more weight. When someone is demanding and you've got nothing left to give, that feels difficult. This is another example of how relationships are multipliers. Again, if you're not feeling good enough, relationships can multiply that feeling because you see what you feel. Our inside is reflected on the outside. If you're feeling wonderful, relationships can multiply your gratitude for the world that you get to share the beauty of life with someone you love. As I think about my experiences with my seasons of grief, and I can see how my relationships multiplied my feelings and my experiences. When David and Carrie died, it was hard. It was hard on me. It was hard on my husband. It was hard on us individually and as a couple. And as I look back on that time when I was really, really struggling, not knowing how I was going to make it from one minute to the next, I'm grateful that he was there for sure. But I can also see how I made our marriage hard because I wasn't doing, doing well. When I started doing better, guess what? My marriage changed. It was no longer hard. The only thing that changed was me. Relationships tend to shine on our weaknesses and expand our strengths. And they're totally worth it. It's totally worth it to be in that relationship that we get to learn and grow so that we can stay on that side of, you know, when it shines on our weaknesses, we can, we can understand what's going on and make the necessary changes in order to be better within us. When it expands our strengths, it gives us the courage to do the things that we, we want to do, the things that we feel drawn to do. As my son and his fiance are getting married, I want to remind them that they are on the same team. Have you ever played team sports? I used to play competitive tennis. And when I say competitive tennis, think, <laughs> think a little league, but adults playing tennis. It's kind of that kind of competitive. It was, uh, you know, definitely it was a team sport in that we played as a team against other teams. Anyway, when I was, you know, I played a lot of doubles and when I played doubles and I had a partner and then the team on the other side, you know, there's, they had their partnership. When I would watch, when I would notice that the other team was not getting along, you know, like one teammate gets upset because the other teammate, uh, didn't hit the ball correctly, you know, didn't get it back over the net. So they get upset or whatever happens. And I would see that happen with my uh, opponents. I would, you know what I would think? I'm going to win this one (laughs) because when they were fighting against each other, they had less energy to face us, their opponents. We're on the same team. Being on the same team, like just like the tennis partners, they were on the same team and yet they were tearing each other down. But we have also the opportunity to lift each other up. And that can happen, you know, just like it happens on the tennis court, it can happen in our life. We're on the same team. When we are kind to the other person in, in our relationships, we are really being kind, like in, in every sense of the word, word, we're being kind to ourselves. Think of it that way. 
when we are mean to the other people in our relationships, we are only being mean. We, we are being mean with ourselves, right? Because we're on the same team. We're tearing down the team. We're affecting ourselves. When, when we love the other person, we are loving ourselves. We are loving our team. The more love we give, the more that comes back to us. It's not about being right. It's about being together. Not about being right. It's about being together. It's not about proving our point. It's about proving we've got this, all of it, united as one. I'm watching my son and his fiance making sacrifices of lesser things to choose the more important things like each other, the relationship, the home, the things they want to create. They're making lots of sacrifices right now as they bring their two households together. When we're in the glow of early love and the excitement of finding each other and creating that family, it's easy to make the sacrifices to see the good in changing our lives. Really, I mean, turning it upside down to create something new and better. You know, my son has been, he's 29 and he's, um, and he's just not getting married. And so lots of changes happening for him and it's exciting. As we move through life, sometimes though, we lose sight of the good that can be found in marriage. Sometimes we fall short and we stop seeing the value in sacrifice and choosing the better way. We saw it early on. At the beginning, we make all these changes, but then as life goes on, we start to lose sight. Because as humans, we tend to live unconsciously. There's a lot of things, you know, our brain helps us do it, do this, and that's a good thing. Our brain helps us to kind of figure out like how we're going to approach things. And we just go into automation a lot of times. And, but this can also get us into trouble because we continue to do the same things, have the same hangups, react the same ways without examining what's going on. Then when things get uncomfortable enough that you look at it, then you point the finger and think, well, if he would, you know, fill in the blank, then I wouldn't feel this way. Think about how much easier, maybe not comfortable, but easier to point the finger because then you don't have to do anything. You can wait for that magic moment when they show up perfectly and then you can be happy. But what if that magic moment never comes? And clue bomb here, it rarely does. Like, one one hundredth of one hundredth of a one hundredth of a percent of the time, like point zero 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 one. So that just creates stuckness. You're stressed. You're stuck because you've already decided you can't be happy unless such and such happens. You know, I used to wear out my life with conditions. Some of those conditions were thinking someone should show up a certain way, and those like never, never or so rarely happen that there's no point in wishing that. It's a total waste of time. Often I would think though, when something specific happens, then I'll be happy. So when we're done with school or when we get this job or when we have kids or when our kids are older or when the kids are out of school or out of the house, you know, fill in the blank. But here's what I learned. When that anticipated event happened, I was still just me. I was still just as happy as I was before. Sure, we had the schooling, the job, the kids, the house, or whatever. But I was only as happy as I was before. 
As I wrote in my book, Miracles in the Darkness, this is what I said, happiness is as present and as elusive as air. I believe that it's in the process of becoming who we were always meant to be that we discover our happiness if we are paying attention and we know what to look for. I also believe that a powerful hope that healing is always available to us is critical to being happy. That's the quote. I learned that happiness was available to me no matter my situation, and I didn't have to wait for some fictitious moment to be happy. If you're going to be happy later, you're going to need to learn the principles of happiness, and it has nothing to do with the circumstances of your life. All the extras are fun, but they aren't required for happiness. As you learn to be more conscious of your feelings, and you learn to work with your grief instead of against it, happiness will come. At first, you'll feel happiness like slivers of light peeking through the clouds of grief, but just for brief seconds during your day. Over time, with guidance, with concerted effort, and if you choose not to push it away, that's the big problem, is that we sometimes we just push away that any glimmer of happiness with thoughts like, I don't deserve to be happy, or I shouldn't be happy. But if you don't push that, if you, if you don't push the moments of happiness away with those thoughts, you'll feel the warmth of happiness more often and for longer periods of time until the clouds of grief break and your usual experience is happiness. So consider that the condition of your relationships may be a reflection of the condition of yourself. Now don't be harsh with yourself, but do be real. This is good news because when it's up to us, when it's up to you, this means that you have some say in the outcome. In relationships, we get to decide what we're multiplying. Are we multiplying anger or frustration or are we multiplying love and gratitude? You get to decide what your relationships are multiplying. Are they multiplying your dissatisfaction with life and it's many, many hardships Or are they multiplying love and gratitude? So we realize it's up to us. It's up to us to choose and create more irritation or more happiness. What are you multiplying in your relationships? Now, I know you're here because you're dealing with grief. And this can sound really, really hard to hear, but take a step back a little bit and go, maybe it's not my relationship. Maybe it's my grief that's talking. Maybe I can be just, you know, add a little bit of patience to the experience so that I'm not blaming my relationship for everything, but realizing it's just a condition of the moment and that this moment doesn't define your whole entire life. See, it's no accident that we've come in contact with each other. It's no accident. I believe that you're here because you're meant to hear the message that hope is alive and well. Because I know what it's like to feel the heavy weight of grief and to feel like future happiness is a pipe dream. I know what it feels like to be in so much pain that anything good seems impossible because you really, really just want to get out of pain. You feel like you don't know how to show up in your life, how to stop fighting and be so angry and irritated with your spouse or your kids or your family. Your grief 
has caused you to feel like you're failing in every area of your life at work, with your family, and deep down, you worry that there's something wrong with you and that grief is going to consume you forever. You worry about what other people think of you and how you're responding to grief and how you'll ever be able to do life right again, much less be happy. You know you want things to be better. You want to be happy and multiply that happiness in your family and be able to show up at work with commitment and confidence, show up for your family with commitment and confidence. Deep down, you want to feel safe and understood. You want to feel that spark of vitality. You want to feel happy. You want to feel fulfilled. Without good information, without proper guidance, grief can be consuming and happiness can escape you. The world has shifted. Would you agree with me? The atmosphere is heavy. It's more important than ever to get the help you need to move forward and to avoid dropping into despair. A couple of weeks ago, I had my client Jean on the podcast to share some of her insights from doing this work. So good. This is the message I received from her this week after she listened to our interview. She said, if I could have added anything, it would have been that you brought me to a place that I doubt I could have ever found without you. Thank you so much for taking your experience and using it to help me and so many others. These are the things you can expect when you invest in yourself to work with me, to work with this program. You can expect to feel understood, to feel confident, to feel safe, to feel that you have answers to the questions that are currently weighing you down, to feel that happiness may just possibly be available to you, that you can heal and that you can accomplish what it is you want most in life. Your very next step, your very next step to confidence, peace, and healing is to schedule a free call with me. You can do it today. I mean, seriously, seriously, do it today. You've waited before and then you didn't do it and you're putting off your future and I can help you. First step, just make that appointment. That's it. I've got you. Have a wonderful week. Remember, I believe in you. Love you.